How's everybody doing? Yeah? All right. Just want to make sure I'm in, I'm in here with somebody. Are you here? All right. Thank you. Sometimes it's good not to be alone. <laughs> uh, I want to talk to you today about something that I felt like the Lord, so I, know, I know he did. He spoke to me this morning uh, about a subject that has been on my heart for a while, but I was not planning on sharing on it today. And, um, and then as often, when we're in the intercession room, a lot of times before the service, a lot of times God will confirm the, what, what we're doing today. And, and Deborah had a word that really I felt confirmed. And she actually mentioned the main passage of Scripture that I'm going to be sharing on. But if you got your Bibles, turn over to Matthew 25. How many want to experience all God has for you? If you don't, that's okay. <laughs> At least you're being honest, right? But I really want to experience all God has for me. But how many know that the majority of humanity does not experience all God has for them? Right? We want to experience all God has for us, but there's a pathway, and if you don't follow the pathway, you don't get there. There's lots of humanity that don't experience everything that God has for them. And I don't want that. And I want to talk to us about the pathway and the requirements for experiencing uh, all that God has for us. God is a good God. He, he is trying to uh, work in our lives that we would grow up in Him in all aspects and become what He wants us to be so that we can release what He wants to do through us to the world but he also is interested in us being like him. And part of the process is us becoming like him. And um, so if you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25. And we're going to start at about verse 14. And this is going to be the main text of what I'm talking about today, though there will be a number of scriptures that we go through. But I think this passage is one of the more important passages for us to get to understand and to apply to our lives. I'm going to pray, all right? Holy Spirit, we just invite you in this place. We want to hear from you. Lord, release your anointing. Speak to us and help, um, help us to hear from heaven today, Lord. In Jesus' name. My favorite prayer, help, Lord. Favorite prayer in the Bible. All right. Matthew 25, 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went away and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. And he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. 
His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter in the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, master, you entrusted me. You entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. And his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does not have shall be taken away." Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay? If you're really listening to that passage and you're following it and you're, 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 you're tuned in, that's a heavy passage. Are you all with me? Does sometimes that feel a little bit heavy? Well, it should I'm amazed because the, this life, you know, the next life, let's say it like this. The next life is determined by this life. I'm not just talking about salvation, like whether or not you get into heaven by the skin of your teeth. I'm talking about the things that we're to encounter. You know, Jesus said that, you know, eye has not seen, ear ha- does not, has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men all the things that I have prepared for them that love me, okay? The life to come, this is a training ground for reigning. Training for reigning. This is a testing ground to see who values the Lord and His ways and His truth and His promises more than anything else. And for those who love Him, and who allow him to work in them and to deal with you know, them. Like when we allow the Lord to work on us and to deal with us and to push his fingers on things and we allow those things to come up and we allow the Holy Spirit room to deal with those issues in our heart and our lives. When we do that, we're letting God in and it's showing that we care more about him because you wouldn't do it otherwise than we do this, this realm right here. And because of those things, the Lord is preparing a place and a, 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 a world and a life that is so marvelous. Heaven is going to be amazing. It is going to be amazing. Think about the most wonderful things about this life. And then multiply it by, by a billion and you won't even touch the way heaven's going to be. Okay? But there are things that he's trying to develop in us right now to prepare us them. And one of the keys in this verse, in, in, this, in this parable, is he's comparing two types of servants. Faithful servants, 
and wicked, lazy servants. Okay? I heard the Lord clearly this morning say, I want you to talk about laziness. Heard it as clear as a bell. I've never preached on laziness before. This will be my first time. Sometimes I feel unqualified because I got some serious laziness in my life. But the Lord also pointed out this morning that there are a number of areas in my life where, and I, you know, I really appreciate the Lord doing this because when I heard the word laziness, I immediately got self-focused. And I'm like, I'm not qualified to talk. You know, like, like qualification has anything to do with it. Uh, none of us are qualified to say anything for the Lord, ever. <laughs> but I began to think about some of the areas where I've overcome laziness. And, and where I have been faithful in certain areas. And I want to talk to us about the, these things a little bit so that we can understand this because this is important. First thing you need to understand, a talent, interestingly enough, in the English language, a talent is a gift. Like, you know, he's a, he's a talented singer, right? That's not what this is. In the Greek, this is not what that is. This is, a, this is wages, which most people understand, but... But, in, but I think there's, that's probably like one of those God things that I think we put in there because talents certainly would apply to this story, how we use our talents, our gifts. But it is much, 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 much greater than that. It's not just about your natural talents. A talent here is talking about wages. And it was about... 15, uh, you know, one talent was equal to about 15 years of a laborer's, a laborer's wages. So what does a laborer make right now? I mean, he might make anywhere from between 10 or $15 an hour, maybe 25 or 30 if you're in New York. Uh, you know, different parts of the country, you'll make a little bit more for being a laborer, you know, entry level. And when you, you think about that, let's say it's Let's say a laborer might make $25,000 a year. Well, this is one talent is 15 years of that. Okay? So it's a big chunk of money. And he entrusted one, five talents. So five times 15 years worth of money. And he went out and he was faithful and he made five more. The one who had two, he turned around and he made two more. The one that had one, he took it and he buried it in the ground. You know, there are no accidents in the Bible. God, when he's talking about digging a hole and burying it in the earth, what are we made out of? That's right. We're made out of the earth. God took the dust of the earth, the dirt, and he formed Adam and made him and breathed in him the breath of life. There is a picture here of the way that we bury things of God, that things God had entrusted to us inside of our life. We bury it and have nothing to return to the Lord for what he's deposited in us. Does that make sense? It can be a number of things. It could be a natural talent. It could also be a calling, something God's asked you to do. Are you doing it? It could be all kind. It could be your family. It could be, and, and the truth is, it's all of these things. Anything that you have in your life was given to you by the Father. 
what are you doing with it? Are you being faithful with it? Or are you being lazy with it and burying it? You know, the Lord told me one time my business was a talent that I was burying. I didn't like that word, <laughs> but it was a true word. I was not devoting my attention to this talent that the Lord had given me in this season of my life because I was interested in other things. I was real excited about the ministry I had just, the Lord had just put me in, and I wanted to fully give myself to the ministry, but the Lord had put a talent of business in my life at that time, and I was unable, I was having trouble devoting the enough effort and energy into that business, and the Lord began to rebuke me because, in a loving, kind, fatherly way, because I was burying something that he had given me, and I'm not bringing a return to it. Does that make sense? And that's not good. And so I want to def make some definitions here. These are my definitions. You can look them up in, the, in, in whatever dictionary you want to. This is the way I define it. Uh, but I'm contrasting here faithfulness and laziness, and I want to look at these attributes and just see how they fall when we're talking about them in our lives. Because if you're faithful, the... the you will be a ruler over much. If you're faithful, Jesus said it right here, if you're faithful in a little, you will be a ruler over much. You realize that? Some people are looking around looking for more to rule over and they've not been faithful and that's why they don't have more. You want to ask yourself why you're at, not at that next level that you thought you were supposed to be at? There's a good chance you're not being faithful with the level you're at. I don't like that because when I apply that to myself, that hurts. But that's the truth. A lot of the promotion that we're looking for is, is not here because we're not being faithful in the season that God had you in. And so when we contrast faithfulness versus laziness, and we're going to get into this, it's important that we understand what these are and how they apply to our life because I'm going to tell you something. Everybody's looking for the spiritual stuff, okay, that's coming to church typically. Like last week, y'all had an amazing service. We had an amazing service. I wasn't here, but I watched it online. Man, Annabelle got healed. You know, that was awesome. I mean, there's just God moving. We've had, within this last month, we've seen more healings than I've seen in a long time, maybe ever in my life in a, in a church service. Small body like this to have as many uh, he, supernatural healings that have occurred. That is incredible. I love the goosebumps. I thank God for those things. But I'm going to tell you something. The place that you're really going to find God is in the everyday, average, normal life. The place that you're going to grow the most is on that job that you don't want to be on. That's where you're going to find God. And that's where God's going to find you. I love the goosebumps. I love the Holy Spirit moving. I love Him brooding. I love Him doing miracles. And I love running from glory to glory. But where you're going to find God is in the valley. You're going to find God in the, in the, in the everyday mundane life to see if you're being faithful. Are you being faithful as a father? Are you being faithful as a mother? Are you being faithful to the job that God has entrusted to you? Are you being faithful? And that's going to be the place where God is working himself in you. And if we ignore the natural, normal things of life, we're going to find out that we're not going to be entrusted with the greater things. And even Jesus spelled this out. When you think about natural things, you think about money, right? He said, if you're not faithful with, with filthy mammon or filthy uh, money, who would entrust the, the real wealth to you? 
If you're not faithful with the things of the earth, he went on to say, who's going to trust the true heavenly riches for you? When we can't be faithful in the mundane things of life, God's not going to trust the supernatural things of God to us. It doesn't work that way. You want to walk in power and miracles and raise the dead? You better be willing to be faithful in the little things that God has you. It's like, uh, and I'll give you an example of this. I, I got convicted one time when I heard a, a pastor talking about his mentor who said that everywhere he goes, when he goes into a bathroom, he always makes sure that he leaves it cleaner than it was when he went into it. He said, because that's the way Christians should be. Everywhere they go, they should leave a place cleaner than it was. That has convicted me. I do not use, I'm going to go ahead and, <laughs> I do not use a toilet without making sure it has been wiped down and cleaner than it was when I left it. And then, of course, I go wash my hands. Please wash your hands after you use the bathroom. <laughs> Just saying. Wash your hands. Uh, when we go in and we pee all over the floor, man, <laughs> and you don't clean it up because you're too lazy to do it, you're not being a good example of God and his kingdom. Okay? God is practical. I want to see healings, miracles, signs, and wonders, but if I, can't, if I can't keep a bathroom clean, I'm not worthy to go to the next level. Okay? All right, faithfulness. The ability to consistently and constantly do the right thing. All right? I'm going to say it again. The ability, and I, and I don't even like the word ability because that makes it sound like this is a special gift. It's the doing, the doing consistently and constantly the right thing, all right? The way I have, one of the most important things that I have found about faithfulness is it's called staying power. I call it staying power, the power to stay. Psalms 37.3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. I'm going to read that whole passage for a second, actually. Psalms 37, 3 through uh, 7. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. One of the biggest issues with us as believers is that we're very impatient. The Bible says that, you know, it talks about that through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. You can't inherit the promises, the promised land, the things that God has for you without combining faith. What is faithfulness? Is being full of faith. Faith and patience. Faith to believe that God's going to do what He said He's going to do and patience to wait until He, to wait expectantly with your eyes on Him watching for when He fulfills it, knowing that He is. I'm not moving out of this place because I know God's going to come through. I'm staying here until God does what he says he was going to do. That's called staying power. The, 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 the apostles in the, in the early church, 120, he spoke to 500 when he was taken up, 
And he said, told him to stay in Jerusalem until the, the, the promise from above comes and you'll be clothed with power. And then a number of days later, the day of Pentecost fully had come and there's only 120 people in the upper room staying. There was a good group of people that lost the staying power. They heard the word and I bet you they were excited about it. They started staying in Jerusalem, right? 500 of them, all of them obeying the Lord. But only 120 had enough staying power to be there when the promise came. Staying power. Your ability to stay where God has you, when He has you, is the difference between being faithful and lazy. Okay? And it's the difference between breakthrough and victory and being uh, promoted to the next level. Faithfulness to stay. I have... Golly, I could go on for a while. But, li- but listen to this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Another word for dwell is stay. Stay in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Faithfulness, you know what it means to cultivate something? We were talking about this at home with my kids. By the way, if you pay attention good, this will be Jesus' time for the day. <laughs> there will be a quiz later. <laughs> We've actually talked about this subject a good bit with my kids. Um, But cultivating, when you cultivate something, what are you doing? You're watching over it. You're nurturing it. You're taking care of it. You're, like if you're talking about a plant, you're making sure it's watered and the weeds are pulled. It has your attention. And that's something that you have to do daily. It's not something that you can just let it go and just think everything's going to be okay. Cultivating something is, it takes effort and energy. Learning to be faithful is the same way. We have to learn to do this. It's something we learn. And dwelling in the land and staying power is where we cultivate this thing called faithfulness. And I have found that so many believers, and I'm going to, I hope this, I I hope y'all can hear this because I'm telling you, this is where we see advancement. This is very practical. The inability to stay when the Lord has you in a place has cost more people their promises and their, and their, their destiny and purpose. If God tells you something, you need to make sure you're doing it, not just for the first couple of weeks, But you need to be faithful until he tells you, okay, you can stop. There were 500 people that God said, that Jesus said when he was taken up, stay in Jerusalem until the promise comes, until the Holy Spirit comes. And only 120 in the upper room when it came. Look at what they missed out on because they didn't have staying power. Now, for some of you, God speaks to you, and let's say he says, hey, I want you to go to work this job. All right, God's given me clear direction. I'm excited. I go to this job and I start working and I'm doing this job. And then at some point, the excitement's gone. It's starting to feel mundane. You know what? And the, and the enemy comes and he starts showing you the grass is greener on the other side. And you just start dreading this job. You're just like, man, this ain't fun no more. 
I don't want to do this. I could be doing something else. I could be, you know, this is, and then the enemy starts speaking, oh, this isn't worth your time. You know, you, you, you got better things to do. You could be doing this, this, and this, this. You know, and you start getting tempted. You know what? Let me leave where I'm at. Let me leave it. I just, this is, let's go to the next job. Go figure something out, something a little better. Did God tell you to leave? Or, did you, or, or are you just getting up and leaving? Did God tell you to leave that city that he told you to move to? But when things got, are starting to get old, you've been there a while, you're worn out, it's, it's not as exciting as it used to be. I'm telling you, the place where the goosebumps have left and the excitement has left and you're willing to stay, having that stay power, I don't move until God is, says you're done. Until that moment, I'm staying here. More shipwreck is caused by people's unwillingness to stay. This happened with the Apostle Paul. You remember, I'm not going to read the passage because for time, but I'm just going to remind you, when the Apostle Paul was sailing to Rome, they, they, got, they, they boarded a, a ship and they end up stopping at a port. Y'all remember the story? He stops at a port and the, the soldiers and the, and the, sail, the um, captain of the ship, they're talking it out and they're trying to decide whether or not to port in this place, to stay and, and to haven the winter in this place or to sell on to a place that's more desirable, right? And Paul gets a word from the Lord. He says, I have discerned that if we move on from here and don't winter here, that we will have much loss. And they didn't listen to Paul's word because it, and it, it even says this, it says that the, it was undesirable to stay there. This port where they were at and the word of the Lord says, stay in this place that's undesirable. Otherwise, you're going to suffer shipwreck. But the sailors and the soldiers decided that no, we're not going to listen to the word of the Lord. We're going to listen to our own desire that we don't want to have to spend the winter in this place, but we want to go to a better port up the road. And since the weather's let up a little bit, we're going to take it as a sign that we're supposed to move on. And so they were moved on. And of course, you know the rest of the story. They ended up getting caught in the northeastern uh, hurricane and it, it you know they went days and days and days where they didn't see the sun the moon or the stars and th they lost the whole ship and they only got through it with their lives and that was only because of Paul's relationship with the Lord shipwreck always comes when we're not willing to stay in the place that God is saying even when it's an undesirable place it's like jumping out of the frying pan. I can't handle the heat, so I'm going to jump out of this fire, and we end up every time, what's the saying? You jump out of the frying pan into the fire. Well, that's what happens with Christians. They keep taking tests over and over again, going around the mountain, going around the mountain, going around the mountain, having to take the same test over and over again because they don't just let that flesh die. We've got to learn to get better at dying. <laughs> Jesus said, if any man wants to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. If you're following Jesus and you're not feeling some death, then something's wrong. You're really not following him.
There is a death to the flesh in following Jesus. It's just there is. There's a price to pay. Christianity is a lot better than no Christianity, but Christianity comes with a price. And it's called the cross. And our ability to stay when we don't want to stay determines where we're going to go next. I had, a, I had a dream, um, as you, many of you know, my story about coming here, the Lord spoke to me in 2003 that I was going to pastor a church for Morningstar in Wilmington. There wasn't even a church here when the Lord spoke that to me, and I had to wait year after year after year after year. I would have three or four dreams a year about Wilmington, and sometimes about the church, sometimes about different things, and, and it was 14 years before the Lord allowed me to move here. But every year, I'm like, Lord, is this the year? Is this the year? Is this the year? And I was constantly looking for it. There were many times I even tried to come here and open up a business just to kind of help the Lord out to get me here, you know. And, the, you know, the Lord would have to say, nope, I'm not in this. And, um, and I had a dream one time. And in this dream, I'm driving down the highway. And you know how highways are. They have multiple lanes, What's the far left lane? Everybody needs to learn this if you don't know this. God, this drives me nuts. What is the left lane? Thank you. If you're going slower than the rest of traffic, do not drive in the left-hand lane. Okay. The left-hand lane is, for, is the fast lane. The far right-hand lane is for people who are exiting, right? In this dream... I'm going really slow in this right-hand lane, and every exit I would pass, I would look to see if, if um, this was the exit I was supposed to be taking. And I would pass exit after exit. Oh, is this it? I'm driving slow in the right-hand lane. I'm coming up to my exit. Is this it? Oh, no, that's not it. Let's keep going. And for every exit, exit after exit after exit after exit after exit, over and over and over again, and I'm driving in this right lane, and finally I get to my exit. I'm like, my, all right. And I pull off, and I ended up being at the church in Wilmington in the dream, and I, and I immediately started doing worship in the dream, which I, did, I wasn't doing worship at the time. I had been a season where I wasn't doing it, which was interesting because if you remember when I came here, I immediately started, I, I got, you know, you guys asked me to do worship, so I started doing worship. So I, it, it, this dream, though, taught me something, and it showed me something. I actually delayed my coming here because in staying in the right-hand lane and always looking for the exit, it caused my journey to get to the exit to be much longer and slower. If I would have just got in the left-hand lane, I could have gotten to the exit a lot quicker. And the Lord rebuked me in this dream. I knew what he was saying. When I woke up, I knew the Lord was saying, you're so focused on this exit that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing in this season in your life. And that was hard because I, my heart was in this season. But the problem was I wasn't. And in order to get to this season, I needed to be faithful in the last season, the season I was in. And people don't understand that. They think, oh, I, I, I got this vision. I got this dream. Who else had a dream? Y'all remember Joseph? He had a dream. 
He was going to, the sun, the moon, he, the sun and moon, the stars, they all bowed down to him. He was going to be a ruler. But he found, first thing he finds himself in, he's being sold as a slave to a country that doesn't even speak his language by his own family. And then he's a slave in, a, in an official of Egypt's house. But what does he do? Is he, is he still dreaming about that dream that he had? No, he learned to be faithful. And he was faithful. He was faithful. When you think about faithfulness in the Bible, who throw out a couple names. Obviously, Joseph, I think, is one that comes to me. Who else? Okay, Apostle Paul, yeah. Daniel, who said it? Yep, Daniel. Joseph, Old Testament-wise, Joseph and Daniel, to me, epitomize faithfulness. Joseph said, the, says in the Psalms that the word of the Lord tested Joseph. He had this word, but he wasn't seeing it come, come about. And he was, but he stayed faithful to the season that he was in. And you know what? If he would not have been faithful, I dare to say he would have never made it to be ruler over much. If you're not faithful in a little, you'll never be a ruler over much. He was faithful in, in uh, Potiphar's house. Then he was faithful in jail when he got thrown in jail. And then the Lord called him from that place. Same thing with Daniel. Daniel was faithful in everything he did. You know, the, when, when the whole Daniel and the lion's den, that whole story came about because those that hated Daniel said that they could find nothing to accuse him in because he was faithful in everything that he did. And the only way they could possibly find something to accuse da Daniel was with, was with it concerning his God. When we serve God the way that we're supposed to, we should, people should say that of us. We should be faithful in every area, and they should look to us as a shining example. We should be the best worker at any place we work at. There shouldn't be a better worker. We should show up. We should be on time. We should serve well. We should do, you know, if the Lord has worked in us Christ's likeness, would we not represent him well to the world by being excellent at what we do? If you're a musician and God's called you to be a musician and you don't practice your instrument, do you think you're being faithful to that calling? What is your talent? What is your talent? What has God given you? What are you doing with it? And I'm asking myself the same thing. I'm not just preaching at you guys. I'm preaching to myself. I, there are things that I need to hear this in. There's some areas that I've been very faithful in, but there's some other areas that I really need to grow in. The ability to stay faithful to the season without jumping ahead and being able to stay focused where we're at. Sorry to bring up a Star Wars, but that's what Yoda said about Luke Skywalker. You know, when he saw him, he's like, you're always looking to the future. We need to be able to see the future without it impacting our effectiveness in the present. We need to see the future without it impacting our ability to be effective in the present. Most people constantly missing the plan that God has for them in a future season because they're not being faithful with the season they're in now. All right? Have I beat that sufficiently or should I keep beating this dead horse 
I would tell people to stop looking for greener pastures and start figuring out how to turn the pasture you're in greener. Stop looking for greener pastures and start thinking about how to turn the pasture you're in greener. That's the, that's the life of a Christian. Everywhere we go, we bring heaven to it. But are we? Whatever pasture we're in, it should be the greenest because that's where we are as representatives of the Lord. Now, I'm talking about, you know, there's a little bit of idealism in that, but it, it, we are in a growth process, and God understands that, that we're growing in these areas. But this is the goal. This is where we want to get to. You can't get somewhere if you don't have somewhere to go. You know what I mean? You have to, if you're going to go on a trip, you've got to actually pinpoint something on the map so that you have something to aim at. Otherwise, you'll set out and who knows where you'll be. So, yeah, Daniel and Joseph. All right. I'm going to contrast now faithfulness with laziness, and we're going to dig into the laziness side because faithfulness is the thing that we need to do in order to be like these, these guys that had five talents and the two talents, and we made a return on our investment so that we can show the Lord for what he, something, a return on what he's put in us, a return. But laziness is the, is the thing that was operating. Two things were operating in the, the, the wicked slave, as the Lord called him. He was fearful. In verse, let's see, verse 25, it says, I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. Fear is the cause for a lot of people not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They bury their talents because they're not willing to overcome their fear. Fear is a robber. It will rob you of your purpose. It'll rob you of your destiny, and it'll rob you of the talent that you think you have. Interesting enough to me, fear and laziness go hand in hand. I don't know why that's true, but I've seen that. Because you know what fear is? Let me define laziness. This is my definition of laziness. The unwillingness to do the right thing due to it either being difficult, being a difficult task, or, not, or, or a lack of desire to do that thing. There's either a great difficulty or a lack of desire that causes me not to engage in the thing that God's wanting me to do or the area of, of, that I need to be responsible in. When the Lord called me to do evangelism back in uh, 98, I was terrified of it. I had the Lord speak to me clear as a bell. I was having dreams about it. I had the Lord speak to me. I was getting words left and right, even coming home one day from church. And back in the day when you had answering machines, I had somebody leaving this dream and this word about me doing evangelism right when the Lord was speaking this to me that it became so crystal clear. You either, this is God, you either obey him or you don't obey him. And I decided to obey him by going out into the streets and start evangelizing total strangers that I don't know. That was hard for me because I was, I, the, the fear of man had a grip on my life at that time. It was bad. I mean, I still have a little bit of it, but it, it was bad back then, really bad. And I remember for all those years that I would go out every Saturday and do evangelism, there was always two things that tried to hinder me. I was afraid to go, and there was this supernatural, demonic, supernatural lack of desire to do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you're sitting there, it's Saturday, and everything in the world 
sounds good to you except this going out there and doing this thing. Going out and walking up to total strangers to talk to them about Jesus. That was not my idea of a good Saturday. And I, every week I had to push through this incredible amount of fear and this incredible amount of, God, I don't want to do this. Like, just, I don't want to do this. I am dreading this. And every week I would push through it and go anyway. And every week that I would do this, I would see someone come to the Lord or some miracle happen or it, it, I, without a fail, God would show up every week and I knew that some, at least there was one person I could look to that said their life was changed today and their eternity is different because of my willingness to come. I had to push past laziness and fear to get to where God was telling me to do. And I'm telling you, those two things are some of the biggest obstacles to us fulfilling the purpose of God in our lives. Fear and laziness. It does. Fear paralyzes you. But that is the... See, if laziness is defined by you not doing something that you should be doing because you either don't want to or it's really hard then that means anything that we're supposed to be doing that we're not doing for any reason falls into the category of laziness. Does that make sense? If we're supposed to do something and we're not doing it, then we're being lazy, which convicts me. If you see my office at home, you would see there's, there's an area of laziness in this guy's life. I mean, I, you can't even walk on the floor with all the mail that's laying in my floor. Go back a year and a half, you'll find <laughs> It's terrible. I'm, I'm confessing my sin one to another and praying so you can pray for me and I can be healed. <laughs> um, laziness, um, people that want to chase fun typically have a serious issue with laziness. Is everything you're trying to do you have to be fun? If everything you're trying to do has to be fun, you got an issue with laziness. Chasing fun leads to ruin, okay? Proverbs 10, 4, and 5. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. How many people would like to be wealthy? All right, don't get religious on me. I, you can be religious all day and poor if you want to. I want some money. <laughs> I don't want love for money. I don't want the love of money to control me, but I don't like being broke. I like to be able to go on vacations with my family and to, and, and to provide food for my family and to be able to have a car and a, an insurance and all the things I need without worrying about it, right? God don't want us being broke. I mean, we go through seasons of that where there's sometimes a, a purpose, but in general, he wants us to bless us. But lazy hands make for poverty. Some of the laziest people I know are the poorest people I know. Sometimes people want what other people have, but they're not willing to do what those other people do. Oh man, I wish I had all this work and all these jobs coming and all these finances flowing. Well, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm just hanging around, you know. You want what somebody else has? Go willing to do what somebody else does. Put in the sweat. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. 
You know, it was like that harvest. God had called me to go to the harvest fields, but I was struggling with it, but I did it. By the grace of God, I did it. Proverbs 12, 11, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. You know how people who are always coming around and they got a dream or a vision or something that God's called them to do, but they never actually stick it out? I mean, for every, you could throw a rock in a church and you can find somebody that's got a vision or a purpose. You're going to hit somebody that's got a vision or a purpose and they're excited about it. Oh man, God showed me I'm called to do this or that. And then they start to do it. And then a month, two months later, it's like, hey, what you doing? Oh, not much. Hey, how's this going? Oh, I'm not really doing that anymore. Why not? Well, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it just was getting hard and I just, I, you know, I just... I just ain't doing it anymore. See, when, when the difficulty comes, then people lose the vision. You know what that is? That's the parable of the sower. The sower sows the seed, and it said that the, the, the weeds from the ground come up and choke the word so that it has no so it chokes it out so it doesn't. And Jesus interpreted that as the cares of this life and when things get difficult. If there's persecution or difficulty in life, it chokes the word and makes it unfruitful. How many times in our life God gives us a word for something that he's called us to do, but the difficulty of it chokes it out to where we lose our vision. It chokes the vision out. And so we're no longer willing to do it day in and day out, whether it feels good or it doesn't feel good. We're doing what the Lord tells us to do. There, when it comes, guys, I don't, I'm not, golly, I'm not patting myself on the back with what I'm about to say. I'm just, I'm trying to use examples of things that I know. There are things that I have done that I know have been good. I got some areas where I need to grow in this, but there's other areas that, that I've done well at this. When you won't pick up your Bible and spend time with God every day of your life, what does that tell God? Just saying. This is the most important, this is the word of God in heaven. And you say you want to encounter God, but you won't take an hour to, to, every day to spend time in his word. What does that tell him? What does that say about you? You're not willing to do something because you don't have a desire to do it. I, I have spent, when I was a young man, I got a hold of it that I needed to spend time with God in His Word and in prayer alone every day. And I did it every day whether I felt like it or I didn't feel like it. Whether I wanted to do it or I didn't want to do it. There were weeks and months and years that it felt like a chore. You know what I mean? But I did it anyway. There were times when I was working, I would work so much that I would have to wake up early, really early to do this, or skip lunch and do it in my car on my lunch break, and I did it. I made this my priority. That's an area where I've done good at. That's a way that we can be lazy with God when we won't even pick up the Bible and read it to spend time with Him. Are we being faithful with this talent there is not a more precious talent that he's given us than the word and the Holy Spirit. Are we being faithful with it? Okay? Something that I'm, I'm probably getting a C plus, maybe a B in, I'm hoping, but I want to get an A in it. When I moved here, the Lord spoke to me about my children. 
and the need to train up my children and to be very purposeful about it. And I'm going to tell you this, parents, that you have talents that, you're, that you have control, you know, that you have an opportunity to sow in that you're not going to have for the rest of your life. And when I moved here, the Lord began to speak to me the need to uh, disciple my children in the same way I would disciple the church. If I'm teaching the church about it, I need to be... And he told it to me like this. He said, there's a dedication to daily teaching your children the Word of God and praying with them. That don't think that they're going to get this by osmosis. I know many kids that grow up with godly men who serve God and go to church and deacons and pastors but they weren't taught the Word of God by their, their, their parents, and they are biblically illiterate in the sense they don't have a worldview. They might can quote John 3.16 a little bit, but they don't have a biblical worldview because they don't know the Word. They haven't been taught it. Teach your children. Be faithful to teach your children every day. Every day. It's your job. It's not the Sunday school. It's not your school. It's your job to teach your kids. When the Lord taught me that message... Every day, unless we have some major thing that happens where we can't, I try to spend time as a family going through something that's teaching us something about God from the Bible, praying. And I pray with my family every day. I'm not talking about just at bedtime when we say a quick, you know, quick little prayer just to get everybody to sleep. I'm talking about really praying, praying for people, praying for the country, praying. Right, kids? Whether you like it or you don't like it is happening. <laughs> All right. Proverbs 13.4. Well, here's another one. Good. I'm, I'm going to jump back up. Diligent hands will roll, but laziness ends in forced labor. My dad told me that growing up, and I wouldn't listen to him. He said, boy, you want to dig ditches your whole life? If you don't, go to college. Do well in school. Pay attention. Learn. And I thought he was, a, just, he was just my dad. He didn't know anything. And uh, I would let my laziness drive me in school. I, I, I barely passed. I mean, I never did. I read one book throughout high school. I took a big whopping F right on the beginning of uh, every year because they had summer reading at my school, and I wouldn't do it. I rebelled against this. How dare you tell me to do schoolwork on my summer off? And I never excelled in school until I started getting a hold. The Lord started getting a hold of me. He started putting his finger on that. And guess what? I've dug a lot of ditches in my adult life. <laughs> I started off as a laborer in construction, and I had to work my way up. And I deserve it. <laughs> a sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desire of the diligent are fully satisfied. Proverbs 13.4. You want things, be faithful and diligent. You'll have them. Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. If you want to see God in the next season, you have to be willing to sow to what God's sowing in in this season. You plant now, you reap later. Faith and patience. You inherit promises. You have to plant now. Now, I want to say something in closing. This is not about activity, okay? This isn't about activity. You can be busy and be busy doing things you don't need to be doing. I'm not talking about activity. I, have a, I know a guy, I've never seen somebody work so much. 
He's driven. It's not healthy. It's not healthy for him, his family. I can, I can tell you his marriage struggles because of it. There's something not at rest in this guy, and he's got to be working. He works two jobs. He's, as soon as he's off from his jobs, he's either working on his house or he's working on his mom's house. He's just driven. And the Lord began to show this to me um, recently that you can be lazy in that same place where he's at. Because if we're defining laziness by not doing what you're supposed to be doing because you don't feel like it, well, what is the most important thing we can do? Spend time with God. How many people don't do that? that? You know, be still and know that I am God. How many people haven't learned how to just sit? You can be lazy by you're not willing to be still. Martha, I mean, there was a Martha and there was a Mary. You think Mary was being lazy because she was sitting at Jesus' feet? No, he said you... He told Mary that she has chosen the best part and it won't be taken from her. So I'm not talking about activity. I'm talking about being faithful to do what God has you to do. It could be a job. It could be, it's all of these things. It's your job. It's everything in your life is your talent. Are you being faithful or lazy with it? I want to have increase in my life. You know, y'all, I've said this publicly. I'll say it again. I'm not ashamed of this. This is my quest, my desire. I want to walk in the greatest prophetic ministry that the world has ever seen, and I'm not, I, I, I want that. I can't do that. That's something God has to do in me. But I do know that if I'm not faithful with the little words that he gives me, he's not going to give me greater words. If God gives me a little word and I'm sitting on the pew and I'm like, I don't want to share that, it's, and I just sit on it, but I can tell you, every time I get something from the Lord, I tr- I, even if I'm afraid to do it, I fight through that thing and I try to do it. Now, I have missed it, have not done it, but I would say majority of time I press through and I share whatever God gives me. And, and I have grown in the prophetic because I've been willing to be faithful with the little words I get. And I'm trying to keep practicing that because I want much more than I'm walking in. Everything in our life's like that. You want to worship anointing. Do you worship God at home by yourself when nobody's looking? You think David would have been king if he didn't learn how to worship God in the wilderness with the sheep? You think David would have beat Goliath if he wouldn't have been willing to fight off a bear and a lion? There's seasons of our life. If we're not faithful in the season we're in, we're not going to be advanced into the next season. So you'll just keep going around the mountain over and over and over again until you pass the test. And that's the goodness. I don't think this is totally true, but there is some truth in this. So, so hear what I'm saying. There are times you just, it's too late, but in general, you don't fail God's test. You just keep taking them until you pass. Now, sometimes that's not true. But generally speaking, that's true. And so I want to pass. I want to go to the next season. I don't want to keep going around because what's worse than hating what you're doing? Hating what you're doing a lot longer. (laughs) I mean, it's bad enough to suffer, but let's get it over with. You know, let's get what you're trying to teach me so I can move on to the next suffering. (laughs) 
Sometimes you just need a break and you need to suffer in a different area. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. Is this speaking to anybody? Okay, good. It's speaking to me. I want to be faithful, Lord. I want to be faithful with everything you've put in me. My, my wife, my children, my job, my ministry, my relationship with you. I want to bring to you an increase from what you've deposited in me. And Lord, I know these guys do too. Teach us to be faithful, Lord God. Teach us to grit it out sometimes, just to cling to you and say, Lord, I'm not leaving this place come hell or high water until you say it's time to go, until you release me. Lord, give us the grace to grow in faithfulness and to root out laziness and fear out of our lives so that we're not burying talents that you gave us to bring increase to you and to the world. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking for help in Jesus' name.